0: Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with HowStuffWorks and I love all things tech. And it's Friday. That means it's time for another classic episode of Tech Stuff. This episode published July 25th, 2011, when we were all so young and bright-eyed. This episode features Chris Paulette, my co-host and editor at the time, and we talk about NASA's mission control. I thought this was a good episode to include here since we did that whole suite of space episodes a couple of months ago, and this ties into that. Uh, NASA's mission control absolutely is one of the most important elements when it comes to the United States space program. So sit back and enjoy this classic episode, and I'll talk to you again in just a moment. We're going to talk today about Mission Control Center with NASA, and specifically the Mission Control Center associated with shuttle missions, seeing as how the final space shuttle mission uh, launched. Well, we're recording this podcast before the launch, but it should publish after that launch. Uh, We wanted to kind of talk about the, the stuff that goes on on the ground, not necessarily the
0: the stuff that's going on inside the orbiter itself. I said lunch, not launch. <laughs> Sorry. See if you can if you can identify that quote. Yeah, um, yeah. We uh, when Jonathan and I were talking about doing the episode on the space shuttle, um, as we do with some of the complex topics, we decide you know to at least have an idea where we're going to go with the research, and even before we started doing the research, we figured that this was going to be complex enough that we would have to break it down we decided to do an episode specifically on mission control because um it's not just the astronauts inside the space shuttle who are uh, paying attention to everything that's going on in the spacecraft during the mission. I mean it's of course they they have to sleep. Um, they have a lot of things to do. They've got science to do. Yes. Um they have they have to prove the cake is a lie. Yeah, extra ve- extra vehicular activity to space perform. Fox. Um they have uh Things to deploy in space. Yep. Um, so and spots to record for Sesame Street. Occasionally I've seen some of those. Occasionally they have to sing. Yes. Uh, boom diada. <laughs> Shout out to our parent company. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot for them to do, and uh, you know. Somebody has to be keeping an eye on the uh, on the shop.
1: Yeah. And we cover some of this material uh, on howstuffworks.com in an article called How NASA Works. But that's really kind of an overview of the agency. Uh, we wanted to talk specifically about mission control. And before we get too far into this, we we should probably talk about where mission control is. Because uh if you're watching a launch, you may be seeing shots of this uh group of of people all wearing uh, nice uh, suits and they're all sitting at different consoles and they all look very busy and um the odds are that you're actually looking at the Kennedy Space Center and they do launch control they have a launch control center there in at Kennedy mm-hmm. uh, but that is not mission control mission control is actually located in Houston uh, as you know immortalized in the phrase Houston we have a problem Uh that's specifically talking about the Mission Control Center at the Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas.
0: Yes. And no, that is not the, – the quote used in the movie was not exactly what was said.
1: Yeah, no, no. But so of course – Before you
0: write in. Right. Uh,
1: but, but just like Play It Again, Sam was never actually said in, in uh, Casablanca. Um, it actually was said in Ciz and Kane.
0: So <laughs> but no yeah that that's those are the people who uh who in uh Apollo 13 we actually kind of saw what was going on in mission control. Yeah. Uh, even though it was a uh, you know I guess it's safe to say it was uh fictionalized kind of a real event. Yes, yes. Um although not terribly fictionalized compared to some others I would guess. Right, it was more
1: it it tried to stay true to the actual unfolding of the, the emergency, uh, more so than a lot of other movies did. But yeah. even so, there was some dramatization
0: going on there. Well, sure, I mean... Because you have to. Yeah. It's a movie. But But yeah, I mean, if you've seen the movie, you probably have a somewhat reasonable idea of what the people are doing in that center. They are trying to... Uh, main, c- maintain con- uh, communications. They're trying to figure out what's going on with the telemetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, keeping an eye on where the the ship is going, monitoring um, the various systems. Yep, yeah, making sure everything's okay. And in the song quoted before, they're you know, <laughs> just making sure everything's okay with the people up in space.
1: Yep. So let's do. Chris and I both looked at uh, an illustration of the Mission Control Center to kind of break it down and see exactly what it looks like and what people are doing there. And we thought it would be kind of interesting to talk to you and guide you through the Mission Control room. Now, if you were to look at the room – yeah if you 're just like taking a tour walking around, you would see there are all these big desks with consoles at them, and uh, at one end of the room are uh, a bunch of monitors, mm-hmm. big monitors and those monitors are showing things like video feeds from the shuttle as well as just uh, lots and lots of data and uh, and so we wanted to kind of talk to you about what these uh, these consoles were and their purpose and what the officers who sit at these consoles do. And we're kind of taking you – like if you imagine this big room with uh, monitors at one end of the room, the room has uh, uh, five rows of stations. Mm -hmm. Okay, The first row has three stations across, and the other four rows have four stations across. So what we're going to do is we're going to go from the end that has the monitors – that's the end that has the three stations in front of it. That's the first row. And we're going to go from left to right – and then we're going to go down a row, left to right, and down a row, left to right, and just explain what each of those stations uh, are meant to do. And so, Chris, I think uh, you were going to take the first one. We're just going to kind of alternate all the way down.
0: Yeah, uh, the first person sitting on the front and you know, that's a terrible place to sit if you're Watching a movie, yeah, but yeah, this isn't a movie. Far left
1: in the front row, well, uh, yeah. yeah, got that crick. In the your guy neck. with the crick
0: in his neck, yeah, that's how I saw uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, the oh, Fellowship yeah. of the Ring. Yeah, that was tough. Well, the person in in, in that corner of the room is uh, the flight dynamics officer. Now, I, I should point out, um, there's there's a lot of information on NASA's website about this, and each person uh, they they have a lot of code. Yeah, you know, we're talking about extravehicular activity or EVA and yeah. everybody else calls it spacewalk. Yeah. Um yeah, so every console has a function and there are three there are actually three shifts uh that work uh 9 hours. Three teams work 9 hour shifts. So, um basically the console has a name and there's a person an officer that works that console right. for and, and we'll talk about the different missions because some of them don't use all these officers, but... And you,
1: you will see labels on these consoles, uh-huh. and the, the labels are usually a, an abbreviation or some initials that stand for whatever the the, the console actually does. Uh, and when we talk, talk about three shifts of people, there are typically around 20 people working in the flight control center during a typical uh,
0: space shuttle flight. Yeah, NASA uh, and- says about 50 on a team yeah. of all of every, you know, everybody who's on there.
1: Right, right. So, so. The different got, shifts. Yeah, included. exactly. You've got around, on average, around 20 people working yeah. in that room during a space shuttle flight at any particular time during that flight. Yeah. We should also stress that this is specifically space shuttles. There's a totally different mission control center for the International Space Station and it has a different, similar Similar stations, like similar uh, consoles yeah. to the one that's on the space shuttle, but a different setup as far as the team goes. And, and uh, fewer people are in the flight control room for the International Space Station at any given time than on a, a space shuttle mission.
0: Yeah. But um, each so, console has a name right. and so and, and a call sign. Uh, if you've seen, I'm sorry, to go to the movies again, the most famous example I can think of a call sign is Top Gun. Yeah, where everybody has an a, essentially a nickname, but this is not not necessarily a nickname, but it's what everybody calls. So if Steve is on the console, you know, in the morning shift, and Jennifer's on the console in the afternoon shift, they still have the same call sign because it's actually the station that they refer to. Right, not the person, but yeah. they, the doesn't, station. Doesn't matter who's there. That person is filling that p- filling that role. That role. Yeah. So uh, flight dynamics officer. Yes, and call sign Fido. Yeah. Uh, who uh, and that person plans the ship's maneuvers and is watching its trajectory. Um, there's another person that keeps track of that too, the guidance officer. Right. Um, but but the uh, Fido is up there in the the uh, bottom left hand corner if you're looking at the screens.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, so you've got that if you move over. to one station, you have a console that actually could have one of two different officers working there, depending upon what's going on in that space shuttle mission at the time. Uh, There's the Rendezvous Guidance and Procedures Officer, uh, also known just as Rendezvous, Mm -hmm. Um, and That job is to support the shuttle mission whenever they are going to have to dock with another vehicle or with the space station or perhaps they're coming up to do repairs, for example, on the Hubble telescope. Uh Anytime the shuttle is coming into close proximity with another vehicle or satellite or anything like that, um, this officer is there to help support the shuttle's crew and uh, and give information and guidance when the the shuttle is going through those sort of maneuvers uh now in other situations that you might find the ascent slash entry guidance and procedures officer they're known as guidance mm-hmm. now this is the person who is helping again with navigation issues specifically during the uh the the ascent and descent uh uh, phases of a shuttle mission. So when the shuttle is either entering orbit or is getting ready to re-enter the Earth's atmosphere.
0: Yep, and um, also that person keeps track of any possibility that they need to abort the yes. mission. So they're they're um, you know keeping a close eye on those kinds of situations. Right. Uh, the next person is the ground controller. Uh, anything that would affect hardware, software, or support. Um, with regard to the, the facilities, um, also, uh, this person coordinates the ground flight tracking and data network mm-hmm. and the tracking and data relay satellite system along with Goddard Space Flight Center.
1: Which is, uh, in Maryland, by the way. Yeah. So we talked about Houston and Florida, but we didn't talk
0: about Maryland. Yeah. NASA has a number of facilities all over the country. Yep. Um, and and other stations that they work with with countries around the world to keep track of what's going on with the shuttle. So um, even though there may be, on a given mission, up to seven people in the shuttle, there are a whole lot more people on the ground watching out for that.
1: Right. So let's go back a row. So we move back toward the the, uh, far left. Um, We're going to talk about the propulsion officer, also PROP, P-R-O-P. The propulsion officer's job is to... Keep an eye on the reaction control and orbital maneuvering system uh, that's on the space shuttle. Now, this is all the little jets and the, the propellants that are used by the space shuttle to make maneuvers in orbit or to get into orbit or out of orbit. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's that officer's job is to keep an eye on all those systems and to provide
0: guidance to the shuttle crew. Yep, and speaking of guidance, um, the next person is guidance navigation and control systems, also known as GNC. Watching the uh, the guidance navigation and control systems, uh, he or she would be in contact with the flight director and crew uh, any time that something again would require uh, aborting the mission. Yeah, um, and this I assume could mean any time, uh, rather than um, you know the uh, uh, guidance officer is watching specifically on. Uh, launch and landing right. this would be any time you need to uh cut out and go home um or any time the the guidance hardware might be not working correctly
1: yeah so the, this would be the eyes on the ground to help guide the shuttle let's say that the guidance systems aboard the shuttle for some reason are malfunctioning perhaps a, yes. a gyroscope is not is not uh turning properly um the this officer would be the person who would help guide the shuttle crew into maneuvering the shuttle so that it was Going the right way for whatever operation they needed to perform at that point, mm-hmm. uh, most likely coming home. Uh, next, we have the Maintenance Mechanical Arm and Crew Systems Officer, or Max <laughs> (MMACS). But it's pronounced Max. Um, the, this is a person who looks at the uh, shuttle's structural mechanical systems to make sure that everything is is uh, nominal. So, the um, also monitors all the equipment maintenance and hardware use aboard the shuttle. So this is the guy who tells the astronauts to put up their toys when they're done playing. <laughs> it's actually a little more, obviously much more serious than that. But clearly, this, this is the person who is trying to make sure that, that all the procedures are followed aboard the shuttle to make sure everything is stowed away properly and is used the way it was meant to be used and, and uh, turned off and all that kind of stuff. Because clearly, anything that's uh, out of the ordinary could potentially cause a major problem
0: with such a complex mission. Um, yes, and a lot of jokes, I'm sure. Like, no, my name's not Max, it's Steve. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, they're known for a lot of joking
0: in that mission control center. <laughs> yeah, maybe when it's all over with. Yeah, maybe. Hey, guys, we
1: have more to talk about with NASA's mission control system. But first, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor.
0: Next is Eagle. Yes. The electrical generation and illumination uh, officer, and this person is keeping an eye on the electrical systems, uh, cryogenics, fuel cells, AC and DC power circuits. Yes, both Edison and Tesla are represented. Yep. Um, vehicle pyrotechnics and lighting. Actually, that always make, makes me think of rock bands. Yeah. When I read that. Well, you already talked about <laughs> AC, DC too. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> and uh, any caution and warning systems that might be going on. So, yeah. Keep All right. Time to move that. move back another row. So moving back
1: another row to this is uh, uh row 3 if you're keeping track. We're back back over to the far left. Uh we have the data processing system uh officer DPS who looks uh monitors the status of the the onboard computer systems on the shuttle. Now if you've listened to our shuttle episode, you know that we mentioned briefly that there are five onboard computer systems. It's this officer's job to l- Monitor those systems, make sure that they are working properly. That there is not any sort of malfunction in those systems. Um, they also look at other computer systems that are related to the mission, uh, including the multifunction display system. So uh, that's his job or her job.
0: Yeah. the payloads officer is next. Um, Which is just called payload.
1: Yeah, they drop an S.
0: That's <laughs> that's how they abbreviate that that console. Is they drop the S to payload. Yeah, see, they don't they don't get cool. Uh, nicknamey call signs, at least not most of them, yeah, um, like they do in the in the movies um, anyway that that person uh, coordinates the both the ground system and the onboard shuttle uh, system interfaces, so uh, the flight control team and payload user are in contact with another with one another, and um, payload also uh keeps an eye on the in cabin and cargo base system experiments and satellites mm-hmm. um, so yeah i mean you 've got uh, those great big bay doors, and stuff comes out of them, yeah. uh, that's who knows what's going on with that. It's the main purpose for the
1: space shuttle is to be able to deliver payloads to space. Yep. It's a, like a giant cargo ship. Uh, next, we have a console where, again, two different officers could be operating this console, depending upon what is going on in the space shuttle mission at that time. Uh, you have the Flight Activities Officer, or FAO, I like to call him Schwartz, Uh <laughs> the flight activities officer support with me <laughs> ah, nice uh i'm a big big fan of fao so uh the the uh flight activities officer is uh, their job is to uh to kind of be a support for the the shuttle crew uh, they maintain checklists and procedures and schedules so whenever you you see a, a launch or you overhear like the 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 recordings from um, missions, and you hear the shuttle crew going down a checklist. This is the person who, on the ground, is also going through that same checklist to make sure that everything is is uh, checked off. Whenever they're doing any sort of procedure, um, they also manage the shuttle orientation, so how it is oriented uh, in relation to the Earth. Or to really anything else, you know, some other point of reference.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And then the other officer who works at that console, depending upon what's going on, is the Visiting Vehicles Officer or VVO. And uh, sometimes the shuttle has to interact with other vehicles, uh, like Russian vehicles, or perhaps the International Space Station. S- slower moving ones. Or slower moving ones. Um, and so the the visiting vehicles officer is the person who monitors that connection whenever the shuttle is is um, docked with another vehicle or the ISS. Um, the that's that's that. Uh, officer's job, so a little bit different from the navigation officer. They're they're not necessarily helping the shuttle maneuver next to those. They're just monitoring whenever that connection is made. Because clearly, you know you're sharing an um, uh, airlock connection. You want to make sure that everything main is is uh, is still stable
0: during that whole process. Yes. So next we have the emergency environmental and consumables. Yes, operations manager e-e-com.
1: Yeah, e-com. W-
0: yes, I would yeah. Um is uh, and that person uh, is responsible for the active and passive thermal control of the vehicle according to NASA. Um, and the cabin atmosphere control. So, like, hey, you know, can you turn down the thermostat? Could you get all, some of this carbon dioxide out of our atmosphere? Yeah, really? Uh, avionics, cooling, uh, supply, and wastewater systems, and fire detection and suppression systems.
1: So, really, you could think of this this officer as being in uh, in charge of monitoring life support systems. Yeah, basically. The shuttle.
0: Yeah, but see, that would be too easy to say, and would sound too much like TV. So they had to yeah. call it something obscure,
1: right? But yeah, whenever we talk about life support systems, this is the the officer in charge of making sure everything is is running in the right parameters, right? So now it's time to move another row back, and uh, back over to the far left, we've got the Instrumentation and Communications Officer, INCO, I-N-C-O. Uh, This person monitors the communications systems and instrumentation systems, uh, systems configuration aboard the shuttle. Um, They're also the one who controls the shuttle television systems from the ground. So uh, the shuttle crew wants to watch Phineas and Ferb, and this guy's like, no, 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 you're going to be watching uh, 2020. Actually, I, I don't think that's exactly how that works, but I thought it was funny. Right. But right. no, yeah, they, they control the, the television systems aboard the, the the space shuttle from the ground. So they they work very closely with a, a, the public relations officer as well as other members of the flight control team.
0: Yeah, I bet, although I didn't read this, I bet that this person is also the one who's responsible for playing the wake-up song, which is now sort of a yeah, semi-famous part of a shuttle it's mission. It's
1: become kind of a tradition, right, so, where yeah. you've
0: got this uh, – you
1: know each uh, each member of a uh, shuttle crew gets to choose a song that will be played at a particular time to to signal it's time to wake up and do science
0: yes yeah so I guess I got lucky because I got the uh, the head of all of this yeah and then on this row so this person see, again it's sort of the middle of the theater yep you get to see everything it's a yep. good seat it's the flight director yep and uh that person leads the flight control team. This person is responsible for basically all of this—the uh, yeah, yeah. overall mission and pay- payload operations, uh, any decisions that uh, would impact the safe and successful conduct of the mission. Um, so, actually, the flight director has another responsibility. Yeah. You know, you might expect with all this sophisticated computer equipment that has to do with the seven people in space living or dying, and you know, on a uh, more Sad, but real note: the expensive space shuttle, uh, you know, in space that you want to protect. Yeah, uh, they are allowed to bring food and drink inside Mission Control. Um, well, I mean, they only get five to ten minute breaks every ninety minutes. So, with a you know shift between eight and twelve hours, yes, they would need to do this. So, NASA says that the flight controller um, takes a day and uh, is responsible for choosing a cuisine to buy for everybody in there, so um, he uh, actually has to do that as well, so I guess if you're in charge, you get to pick what everyone else will eat on their celebratory
1: kind of makes you wonder if if he's like, okay so, who here likes pepperoni in their pizza? (laughs) Fine, fine (laughs) All right, no no, Johnson, I told you we're not putting ham and pineapple on all the pizza
0: (laughs) exactly, it's like, well it is my space center um (laughs) So, Don't yeah.
1: make me turn this mission
0: around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, serious as they are, they, they do get to have a little fun, and the flight director does have that. Does get to uh, to buy when it's time for dinner. Wow, once apparently it just happens once. That's good. Still, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, so next
1: next to the flight director on the other side is the spacecraft communicator or Capcom. And you th- might think, why is it called Capcom when it's the the actual name of the console is the spacecraft communicator? Well, it's because they really love playing Resident Evil, and you know Resident <laughs> Evil was made by Capcom. So really, no, that's because a lie. Th- those big screens. Well, it's true that it's true that Capcom makes Resident Evil. That's the only true part of that statement, though. So why is it called Capcom? Well, it's because. Back in the day, when uh, when the earliest uh, uh, space flights were manned, space flights were were uh, being tested. Uh, the first capsule they were using was the Mercury capsule, yes. so it was capsule communication. Well, the shuttle is not a capsule; it's a spacecraft. So they changed the name of the console to spacecraft communicator, but they did not change the call sign, which it still remains Capcom. By the way. If you're wondering if there is any other connection with Capcom, the video game company, I am sad to inform you there is not. Uh The Capcom video game company takes its name from a, a predecessor of that company, the Japan Capsule Computer Company Limited, which, uh you know, you just take capsule computer and you squish that to Capcom. It's uh, not the same thing as the one that's in um, uh, NASA's mission control. Now, uh... What are they doing? Well, they they're ma- they're, they serve as the primary communication point between flight control and the shuttle itself.
0: That's their job. Yeah, yeah. And uh, SPACOM just doesn't sound as cool. No. Or SPACOM. No. Spaycom, no. no. It's what you do with your pets. So next we have the PDRS, the Payload Deployment and Retrieval Systems Officer, who is watching the operation of the remote manipulator system.
1: Yeah, the robotic arm. <laughs>
0: NASA. You know, they got to have a fancy name for everything, and I think that's kind of cool, but at the same time, it's just easier to say a robotic arm. Yeah, this
1: is the guy who can uh, take over control and make the robotic arm give a big
0: thumbs up to the Earth. Why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? Yeah, well, Why are you hitting yourself? This is all lies, too.
1: But no, it, it is true that that is, that is the officer's job, is to yes. to monitor the operation of the robotic arm. Now, clearly, you might say, well, you know, you've got the, the shuttle crew up there that's actively... Operating the robotic arm Why do you need someone else keeping their eyes on this? Well, remember that this robotic arm Is manipulating equipment that costs Billions with a B Dollars Yes. So you're using this arm to help position Satellites, to maybe retrieve A satellite that needs to be brought back down Because it's going to either require Repairs or even uh, just needs To be taken down because otherwise it's going to to Crash into the earth And and you might want to try and salvage some parts First um, it may be uh, helping install new pieces of the uh, International Space Station. So, you know that's it's an important, important job, which is why you have to have an extra set of eyes on any kind of operation that's going to involve that. So now we've finally gotten to the uh, the last row mm-hmm. of the the Mission Control Center. Uh, on the the last row on the far left, you have the Public Affairs Officer, or PAO. One of these uh, days, Alice. pow, to the moon. Yeah, there you go. That's where it comes from. No, it does not. And uh, the public affairs officer's job is to provide mission commentary uh, and also to explain any sort of transmissions that are going between the shuttle and uh, ground control. Um, primarily, this person interfaces with either the general public or, more commonly, the, uh, the press. So yeah. this is someone who is able to break these things down and explain in normal person speak what the transmissions mean. Because, you know, we might overhear some transmissions and you can kind of piece together what's going on. But this is the person who can really give
0: it context and explain why it's important. Yeah, if you watch a NASA launch there, uh, I, I'm I'm uh, interpolating from all of this. There's a public affairs officer or someone who fills that role. Yeah. Let's let's say that on on the uh, launch. Control team as well because right. you'll hear you know you'll hear the person uh, the people in the control center you know with a very somber very serious you know you know so and so this and that and the other thing yeah, like, like say, t- okay so t- what that means t minus is, five minutes and waiting and like
1: we're holding the launch at five minutes yeah. in
0: order to blah 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 so and and so this this person will do this for the mission overall yes but yeah that, I'm I'm pretty sure I would the launch control center that has that that's a launch team officer as well yes
1: I I, I agree that's Again, based upon what I've uh, inferred from the information I've received
0: as well. The next person um is a uh, a holdover from the 60s, yeah. the mod. Yes. Uh no, I'm kidding. Uh the Mission Operations Directorate. Groovy dude. Uh, yeah. Uh that's the person who uh serves as an intermediary between the flight control room and the uh top NASA and mission managers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically a public affairs officer specifically to the top brass at NASA.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you, know, you it, it's this way you've maintained a, a, a line of communication that does not interfere with anyone else's specific duties. Because clearly if you are in a big team and you have uh, a boss who is overseeing the overall operations but is not directly – Involved in the day to day operations. Mm -hmm. It would be very distracting to have that person walk from desk to desk and say, Hey, what you doing? (laughs) So this is, this is sort of their way of controlling that line of communication. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? (laughs) And then next we have another one of those consoles where we have a rotating cast of characters that use it. Hey, could you get your elbow out of my coffee? Uh, they don't all use it at the same time. It all depends upon what the oh, mission is. Darn. So one of the potential officers at that position is the Russian interface operator. And this is clearly whenever uh, NASA is going to have a mission that will uh, also uh, involve Russian cosmonauts or the Russian space centers. Uh, this is a, a person who can say Nazdrovia. And da. Da. Ex, uh, pravda.
0: <laughs> and, um, uh, and then Borscht. Well, Russian is Russian is limited.
1: Yeah. To, yeah. Uh, I, I have Nozdrovia, Da, Borscht, Pravda, and uh dozvedonia. All right. That's about all I've got. Um but uh yeah, presumably the Russian interface officer speaks more than that. I would hope. Yes, I would as well. Uh Houston. We have a sponsor read. Uh, That's just my way of saying we're going to take a quick break for another sponsor break. The Booster Systems Officer, also just known as Booster. Uh, this is a person who monitors the launch systems during pre-launch and all the way through the ascent of the shuttle. So this is, again, someone who has a counterpart at the Kennedy Space Center, I would imagine. In fact, probably several counterparts because that is their primary function is to oversee the launches. So this is the person in Mission Control who, who keeps an eye on that as well. Uh, so back at Houston. And then finally, you have the Extravehicular Systems Officer, or EVA. And this is the person who monitors the astronauts during any sort of extravehicular activity, including... Spacewalk. Spacewalks, yes. Um, would also have been whomever would monitor the astronauts who were on the moon during the Apollo missions but of course shuttle missions could not go to the moon the shuttle was not designed to go to the moon so in this case extravehicular does really
0: mean spacewalks it also wasn't designed to land on asteroids that's right um yeah that that person also I find this kind of interesting this person also keeps an eye on the how the spacesuits are functioning, yes, um, which is kind of interesting too, because it's not just you know hey okay out there, you know, don't forget your hat right uh, it's also you know, is your hat working
1: yeah um, are do you, are the environmental controls within your spacesuit functioning properly, yeah, and uh, yeah, this is serious, serious stuff here it's you know clearly you want to have. Uh, extra eyes on that as well
0: yeah and you also uh, that person also keeps track of what you're what the astronauts are doing on their spacewalk because right. they've trained extensively for this mission and they're saying okay are you, are you doing everything that you need to do right. are you having trouble with your spacesuit
1: on a side note i cannot comprehend the level of courage and confidence that it would require to do a spacewalk it is it is yes so far beyond my my ability to even imagine. It's just, it's phenomenal.
0: Well, they put their lives at risk for science, and I find that admirable. Yeah, certainly. Um, Lastly, we have the doc. Yeah,
1: Bones. Uh,
0: Bones in the back of the room. The surgeon is watching uh, crew health.
1: And surgeon's call sign?
0: Surgeon. Yeah.
1: Yeah, not Um, doc, not Bones. Yeah,
0: I know. It's just more fun to say. Yeah. this person, uh, the surgeon is consulting with the crew, uh, making sure the flight director knows if there's any health issue that might affect the mission. Um, and uh, the person uh, basically they have to have a, a medical doctor in uh, who is specializing in aerospace medicine. Yeah. Um, talk about a specialization yeah. in your field. Yeah. Um, and, and anytime also, that they're awake. Not likely to do house calls. No. <laughs> Um there are other people, biomedical engineers or BMEs, who know what they you know know the necessary bits and pieces from medical kits and systems on board the shuttle uh, that keep an eye on the mission around the clock when the, the astronauts are asleep, but a surgeon has to be on duty while they are awake. Um there is a team actually of a, a crew surgeon, deputy crew surgeon, and a BME mission manager, according to NASA. Um, and they, they handle the, the aspects of the flight, um, and there are extra people who are there while the main team is away from mission control during the launch and landing of the shuttle. Now, um, it is important to note that this really is, uh, accounts for only 10% of these people's jobs, really. Um, they spend about 15% in training, um, and, you know, in, on the shuttle simulators at, uh, Johnson Space Center. Um, and the other 20, 75% of the time, uh, the mission control team works on planning and organizing the missions. Uh, so they're, they're really, it, it's not like mission control walks into the room when it's time to take over from the launch control team and runs the mission and then they go home and spend the rest of their time on vacation until six months later when they're needed for another mission. They they uh, are very involved with all aspects of the shuttle mission training. They know what the the uh, specific science projects they're working on or, or uh, deployments they need to make into space. They're on all of that part, uh, different parts. So they, they know everything they need to know because they're also intimately involved with the particular mission on which they are working. Um, if you were interested in joining uh, a crew like this, you would need uh, some kind of technical degree or engineering degree Um Generally, uh, you would, based on your educational background and your interest and your training, they would assign you to a specific, uh, specific role based on those factors. So, if you're, if this sounds like something you would like to do, um, obviously the the space shuttle program is now ending uh, with um, the assumed at this point since the shuttle hasn't launched uh, safe return of STS one thirty five in July twenty eleven. Um, there will probably be something in the future, although the uh, media plans have been put on hold. Um, yeah, so I, I think you know it's it's worth investigating if that's something that. But it's very specialized.
1: Yeah, and it may very well be that the future uh, the future of this center will be working in uh, uh, in partnership with private companies yes. that are are creating space missions. Because of course, it's clear through this discussion that that any sort of space mission is an incredibly complex affair. And it's not Mm -hmm. something that can be accomplished just by the crew aboard whatever the spacecraft is. Clearly, I mean, they play a, a critical role, obviously, in a mission. But that you need those extra people on the ground who are dedicated to very specific tasks to make certain that if anything does happen out of the ordinary, that they can handle it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, it's it's such a delicate and, and, frankly, dangerous procedure to do any sort of space mission, manned space mission. You have to have that kind of uh, intense scrutiny on the ground as well as in the sky or in space, as it were. Yes. So... It may very well be that, that NASA works in partnership with private companies in the future. Uh, it's a little early for us to talk about that because frankly, we are just in the very, very first stages of private spaceflight. We've got some people who are taking, uh, space, spacecraft way up into the atmosphere and even all the way up to low orbit, but it's early days yet yes so yes. we will see how that that uh progresses over time but i would imagine that that would be something that nasa would be interested in and because private flight could very well be the next era of space uh, exploration as far as uh, the united states is concerned we may also see at some point a refunding of nasa where um, they are refocused on a new space program and again it won't necessarily be the shuttle or anything that resembles the shuttle, but it would use a lot of the same sort of uh, uh, offices and, and uh,
0: consoles that they're using now in mission control. Yeah, Actually, that's a good point. You're probably wondering at this point, well, it's pretty late in the podcast. You guys haven't really talked about the tech that they use. Um, there's, It's kind of difficult to find a lot out about that technology.
1: For one thing, you're talking about all these different consoles. Not all of them are using exactly the same thing. Some of these are using, some consoles are using systems that were specifically designed for that particular task, which means they are so... I can't say they're so unique. That's ridiculous, right? They're unique, period. And therefore, there is nothing to compare them to other than saying this
0: is a very specialized computer. Yeah. From what what I've been able to find out, um, when they were putting these systems together in the 1970s for use in the the shuttle missions of the early 1980s, um, there wasn't anything Available for them to use that did what they wanted it to do. So it wasn't like there were IBM PCs or Macs or even Amigas or anything that w- they could buy oh, off a whole the shelf. Bunch of Commodore sixty fours. Hey, well, you know. <laughs> but the thing is, they they didn't have the same types of systems where they could just go buy uh, a series of machines or or even you know put together a Linux box that would do what they wanted it to do. So they ended up uh, basically creating these these. Uh, consoles on their own that would handle the specific tasks necessary to complete these missions. So um, I imagine that part of the reason it's difficult to find information on it is because they are unique. And I imagine that for to some degree it's probably classified um, because, you know, the space race was for the longest time a competition between the United States and the Soviet Union. Um, and, you know, we were sort of in competition with them, so they didn't want people to know uh, in other countries what kinds of uh, technology was used in these machines. So. Yeah. Uh, but it is fascinating stuff. I would assume that basically it is computer hardware used specifically to track or to communicate or whatever it is that that person happens to need. And right, right. It may actually be somewhat unsophisticated in that it has a specialized purpose and doesn't need to do a Everything multitude else. of tasks. Right,
1: right. Yeah, why would you need to be able to calculate telemetry when you are looking specifically at a unrelated system aboard the shuttle? Yeah. Yeah. It totally makes sense from that perspective. And again, it's that whole specialized focus. You know, you have specialized equipment to Mm -hmm. monitor a very particular system aboard the shuttle and you have a specialized officer that is, uh, that is at that console. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's again, it's one of those things where You want that kind of specialization because, again, the stakes are really high. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in in multiple arenas. So that was an interesting overview of mission control. I mean, uh, if if you ever get a chance, and you listeners out there, if you ever get a chance to take a tour of any of the the flight centers and NASA, if you go to the Kennedy Space Center, for example, I highly recommend taking these tours and, and getting a look. You can actually see. Uh, the equipment that was used in the Apollo missions at the Kennedy Space Center. You can Mm -hmm. see the the launch control facility, and uh, it's fascinating. You're looking at these uh, machines that that are almost impenetrable as far as, you know, you just glance at them and you're like, I have no idea what that does, but it looks amazing. Yeah. Right? And you think that— It beeps and it it, blinks. Right. And then you think there was a person sitting at that console who not only had that console— but a slide rule. Yes, <laughs> to make calculations on the fly and it's just phenomenal. You you think about the amount of human ingenuity it takes to get people into space and back home safely and uh, again, it's one of those those accomplishments that a lot of us take for granted, but I think truly speak to the most amazing things humans are capable of doing. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that classic episode of Tech Stuff. Remember, if you have any suggestions for episodes that I should cover in the future, maybe there's some tech topic or a company or personality I should really talk about, let me know. Send me an email. The address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com or drop me a line on Facebook or Twitter. The handle of both of those is H S W. You can swap on by. Swap on by? What the hell does that mean? You can go on by to our merchandise store. That's tpublic.com slash techstuff. Get yourself some cool merch. Show your tech stuff love. And every single purchase helps out the show, so we appreciate it. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, and I'll talk to you again really
0: soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.